ladies and gentlemen, please listen carefully to the following announcement. Okay, good morning everyone. I thought um, just at the beginning of the year, it's just really good to pick up where we left off, which is the three simple words, to pause, the centre, continue. And just to take a moment to pause. And that's what this Sunday's all about, is just pausing and kind of reminding ourselves of where we've been, but also where we're going, why we exist as a church. That's why we do a Vision Sunday each year. And just a sense of just pausing and saying, okay, why is it we do what we do? And to remember just some of the wonderful things that have happened, but also to look forward to what God wants to continue doing in us. Because we genuinely believe, as a church, that the best is always to come, that we don't kind of live with nostalgia of thinking, oh, wasn't it good then? Rather, there's this sense of, continual sense of, actually, God, we know you've got more in store for us. That's kind of a bit of what we're doing today. And, and then, I guess, I want to get to that in a moment, but I just wanted to bring a bit of clarity, really, because I realise that some of you are going to be thinking... We can't really listen to you, Adrian, because you've just volunteered the whole church to pray between midnight and 1am. And I just wanted to give a little bit of the backdrop of how that happened. Now, how it happened is I was approached in a moment of weakness and asked to pray. And I thought, you know what, it'd be great to be part of a citywide event that's celebrating the fact that Jesus be being proclaimed in this city for over 300 years, which I think is a good thing to do. I thought, wouldn't it be great to be part of that? And they said, right, we've got these few slots left. Midnight to one, three to four in the morning, or six to seven. Now I was thinking, man, three to four, that's a place to go, isn't it? I thought, I'm not going there. And I thought, midnight to one, now that's a goer. Now when I signed my name, here's the genuine truth. I thought what I was signing up for was for me personally to pray within the confines of my own home for Birmingham between midnight and 1 a.m., that's genuinely what I thought I was signing up for. This is great. I can do that. Midnight to one. Who knows? I might invite a few friends to join me between midnight and one in my own home. And after I signed, I was talking to some other friends, and they said, hey, Adrian, do you know what you've just signed up for? I went, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be praying in my home midnight to one. They said, oh, no, no, no. You're praying in the cathedral between midnight and one. At that point, I went, oh, no. <laughs> Key lesson, always read the small print. <laughs> but... um. And I do want to encourage us, part of all we're going to look at today is that we aren't the answer to the city, we're part of it. And we have this big heart to understand there are many, many believers in the city that are part of fantastic churches. And it's great to kind of join hands from time to time and say, actually, aren't we for the same thing? Which is causing Jesus and the wonder of the hope that he brings through his resurrected life to be known and tasted in this city by many. 
And I think, therefore, it's good to get together. I don't want to really encourage us. I know it's a hard call, midnight to one, going into the city centre. For some of you, I know it just means that you kind of hang out for a bit longer in the city centre and join us at the cathedral. For many of us, I know it means that we're going to be thinking, really? Uh, man, you could get to sleep for three hours before you come out. Um, so maybe do that and come. But I want to encourage us, let's get along there. But let's get back to today, though. Because we are Oasis and we are in this city. And that's the starting point, really, is that Part of what we're going to look at today is to remind ourselves that actually why we exist is because we exist in a location. We exist in this location, the city of Birmingham. See, Birmingham is amazing. I don't know what you think about it. I want to know how you feel about it. But I think Birmingham is amazing. Birmingham is a city of over a million people where 45% of the population are 30 and under. It's one of the youngest cities of its size and of its type in the whole of Europe. It's a city of immense diversity. Uh, if you were listening to uh, different voices last weekend, you'd have heard a different story. But we kind of know that actually one of the beauties of this city is that it is hugely diverse. Uh, if For those of you at that point thinking, what are you talking about? Well, there was someone in a different country who seemed to think that Birmingham was only a no-go area for everyone apart from Muslims and that only Muslim people can live in. We love Muslims in Birmingham, but I tell you what, it seems to be that the wonder of Birmingham is it's vastly diverse. It's a diversity, but it's also a city of innovation. You only have to look at its heritage to see how it's a city that's continuously birthed new ideas, but also a city that's continuously sought to say, actually, let's not settle for where we've got to. Let's push on to see what we can see next. You have to walk around the city centre at this point in time to see that Birmingham is going through another kind of recreation of itself. We've seen old buildings torn down, new buildings come up, as there's this new sense of what does it mean to innovate in our time and age? It's a place of innovation. It's a place of beauty. At this point, you're thinking, really? I know Birmingham is a place of beauty, as my youngest daughter this week reminded me. There are more trees in Birmingham than any other city in the whole of Europe. That's what kind of beauty it is. I remember saying, I thought, well, that's quite it. She was kind of well passionate about that one. There's, there's more trees. There's also more parklands in Birmingham. It's a place of beauty. It's a place of beauty in architecture. Some of you are going to argue with me at that one. But it's also a place of beauty just with the trees that you can see. If you get up high and look over the panoramic view of Birmingham, what you see is buildings but trees. There's just this natural beauty within the confines of this amazing city. It's also a city not only of beauty, it's a city that can be misunderstood. It's a city that often gets misunderstood from those who are not part of the city. And so there's this continual competition outside the city to see, could we be the second city? And actually, anyone who's in Birmingham knows we're not bothered about being second. Like, whoever wants to fight for second? We're like, man, we're just the city. And we're Birmingham, and we love it. There's also this misunderstanding that can come of people thinking, well, it's a bit of a joke. And we think, well, no, it isn't, actually. Come and see how good it is. It's also a city that has immense need. That we find that it's a city where one in three children are living in poverty. We find it's a city where, actually, the council leaders are looking and saying, well, we don't know what to do. I was at a council gathering uh, with some city church leaders just uh, in December. And... Um, one of the councillors was there representing the council, and he just said, look, we know we've not got the answer. And he said this quite remarkable thing, Dr. Ali, he said this, he said that for too long, we've labelled areas and thought that was the answer. 
we need to start telling a different story, which is about individual stories and how we transform individual by individual. And as we transform individuals, we transform communities. And then he said this most surprising thing. He said, and the thing is, you as churches already do this. And we need you. See, there's this immense need in the city for transformation for individual after individual. And the amazing privilege is, is we'd be invited to say, could we be part of the solution to it? And you see, it's in this backdrop of the city that we're placed in, that we're called to be, that we are in this city as a church. That's our point. And because we're in this city, it causes us to live differently. It means that we don't live separately from the city. It isn't that we think, oh yeah, let's, let's build kind of a nice little community where we lock everyone else out and kind of gather together on a Sunday morning. I know, let's be slightly alternative. We'll meet in a sports ground. We'll do that and we'll lock ourselves away and forget all of that other stuff in the city and think, man, haven't we got it good in here? It's not that we live that way. It's also that we don't live saying, well, let's just be a mirror to the city. They say, oh man, we love Birmingham. It's so amazing that actually what we'll do is we'll simply be the same as everyone else. We'll look the same, act the same. There'll be no difference. Rather, it's that we said, actually, we're going to live a third way. A third way is those who've said, we've centered our lives on Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, that we're connected together. We form this community as a bunch of people who are centered around Jesus in order that we could do something quite profound. And that is to love the city in the most amazing way. And that's why we exist. We exist to love this city. See, when I talk about the city, of what the fabrics of it, I don't talk about it thinking, here's some stats to kind of remind us where we are, but out of this sense of love for it, of love for the people in it, of love for the direction it's going. Because God's unique place, uniquely placed us here to love it. And in it, we have this blueprint then of what it looks like for us to journey together in this city, in how we love it. And we find it in Jesus' words of how we're to live. He says, Jesus kind of questioned on what should life be about. He says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So simple. Jesus just says, man, what's life meant to be like? How do you as a community of people, how do you as individuals make life work? In the city you're in, in how you reveal me to the city you're in, where you just simply love God with everything you are. And then love people as you would want to be loved. So that's what we've done. We've said, well, then let's say that what we're about as a church is completely simple. It's just four words. That what we're going to be about as a community within this city. And then once we're giving ourselves to this city, we want it to spread out into this nation and the nations. And at that point, you think, man, surely a million people is enough. Look at the number in the room. I don't know. I think Jesus always called us to think way bigger than just one place. But as we love this city and beyond, we do it through four simple words, simply by loving God and loving people. And it never gets any more complicated than that. And so we give ourselves to loving God. 
In other words, that we are those that say, actually, within all that my life is about, at the very core, the very center of who I am as an individual, the very core, the very center of who we are as a community is God. It's God who is Father, Son, and Spirit. And that our lives, our lives even, when do you hear that? Suddenly, went in a weird accent, lives. Um, I was becoming more brummy. That was happening. This... <laughs> Who knows, next thing I'll be saying, islands, woof! Um, there's, that's as far as I can love. <laughs> love Birmingham. Um, this, wouldn't it be bizarre if by the end of this morning I've suddenly metamorphosized into a complete brummy? I think it'd be quite, I tell you, that would be something to go home and talk about. Um, but we love God with our whole selves. Everything we're about is saying, actually, we center everything on you. Why? Because actually, it's, we've realized that in God, we're more loved than we could dare to believe, more accepted than we could ever know. Everything that we've ever longed for is in him. And therefore, we said, why would we want to look anywhere else? Surely we would just want to continuously center our beings, our community on him. Michael Jackson, before he died... Uh, was lecturing at Oxford University. Not many people knew that. And when he was there, he said this most profound thing. He said this. He said, if we enter this world knowing we are loved and leave it knowing the same, then everything in between can be dealt with. Within all the complications of his own life, and maybe it's because of the complications, he saw something that was biblically true. That if you know that you are loved... From the beginning to the end, whatever life throws at you in between can be dealt with. And what we're saying is, as a community, what we've decided to say is actually, we understand God loves us. He is loving us. He has loved us, he will love us, and he continues to love us. And therefore, because we center ourselves around his love for us, revealed through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, it means that everything that life has to throw at us can be dealt with. And so we center around him through loving him. We also celebrate in him. We say we want to live lives that actually are continuing not saying, hey, look at us, but rather look at him. But we said that within this city, we want to be known as those who love God. We want to be known with a reputation where people talk about us and talk about Jesus. I love it when people say, hey, at Oasis... We don't seem to hear about certain people's names. Adrian, we never hear your name mentioned with Oasis. It seems to me more about Jesus and God. Man, that's good news. That when people come around us, they should say, actually, you guys seem to take something seriously here. One of my friends coming around us who doesn't believe in God, and he came around and he said, what I can tell is that you love each other you accept and love others. And he said, you're serious about what you believe. And he says, you love what you believe. And that's what I want people to see. I don't want anyone to come around saying, you're just a nice bunch of people. And we want them to say, actually, you know, we're this bunch of people who are continuously living lives that celebrate in who God is. So we love God, but we also love people. We love people because actually we love what God loves. And God loves people. And we love people how God loves. So we love people because God loves them, but we also love people how God loves them. 
See, each of us, because we've centered our lives on Jesus, we've understood what it is to be loved. We've understood that his love is sacrificial, his love is unconditional. And therefore we love sacrificially, we love unconditionally. Why we exist in this city isn't to take what we can from it, but rather say, what can we add into it? How can we get a reputation in this city of being those that love above anyone else? Not out of competition, but out of revealing one who loves beyond anyone. That we'd love everyone who comes around us. So I remember earlier last year, talking to someone who came around, or two people, will tell two stories. First one, comes around early last year. I've been around church communities before. Whenever she's been around, she always felt like she was being judged and unaccepted. She came around a waste and she said, for the first time ever, I feel like I'm loved and not judged. I feel like I'm accepted for who I am rather than who I could be. And she said, I can't help but be drawn in. Someone else comes around the end of last year and says, actually, do you know what? When I came in, I'd never, ever been around a church community before. But what I see is that you've got something that I don't have. And I need it. I want to know this God of love like you know him. Because I need that hope and life that you guys seem to have. I'm drawn in by what I see. And so when we look at what we're about, we're, we're about this journey that we've all been on. We've been on it for 15 years. We're going to continue on it, that we're in this unique city of Birmingham. And we're in it in order that we can love it. We can love it by living the most simple way, by simply saying we're going to love God and love people. And as we do it, God wants to transform us and transform others. And so last year, what we did is we kind of said, well, how are we going to stay focused on this simple task of loving God and loving people. And God gave us these three simple words, three simple words I've already referred to, pause, center, continue. That what we were to do is to live with a rhythm in our lives, with life just throwing so many different things at us, and you can find yourself spinning plates or kind of rushing from one thing to the next, is within it to push the pause button every so often within your days to say, pause, am I centered where I want to be? Is my life revolving around the one I want it to? And then from that point of reassessing, saying, no, God, I want to get back with you at the center. I'm going to continue to live. And for us as a community of saying, actually, what we want to do is live in this rhythm, a rhythm that we're not just going to do for 2014, that we're hoping will just continue to be with us. Hence why I keep referring to it even now. In 2015, that we want to continue to keep living, saying we want to pause to center Center on this God who is love. And say, out of this place, we want to continue to do what? To do what he's called us to be and do in this city together. is to love God and to love people. And so last year, as we gave ourselves to this simple task of saying, let's pause, let's center, and let's continue. What we found is stories started to come as we did that. And what we've done is just compiled just a quick video recap of just a few people's stories that have come out of them just pausing, centering, and continuing. This video will play now. Just bear with it in terms of sound quality. We've done the best we can, uh, but we're amateurs. That's my excuse. Okay. It's quite enough.
I think for me, is, it's just great, isn't it, when you pause just for a moment and say, oh, this is what God has done amongst us. These are just a few of the stories. We could just carry on the day, actually, if we gave moments for each of us to share some of our highlights of last year of what God was doing. We have much to thank God for on the journeys God us on of just simply living in this amazing city, saying, let's just love God and love people. But this year, if last year was about kind of pause, sent to continue, I believe God wants us to live with a different theme to keep us on this journey of loving God and loving people. And that's just this theme of remembering that we are named. That's the point of this year, that I believe God wants to uh, enforce, to uh, keep talking to us about this, of just saying, actually, we're named Oasis for a reason. We're named Oasis in this city for a reason. That's actually part of who we're to be and part of what we're to do is out of the fact that he's named us Oasis. We've already heard this kind of prophetic encouragement this morning, that what we're about this year is breaking uh, through and breaking out. That's what an Oasis is all about. It's about breaking through and breaking out. And then what you find is that when God is involved in naming, it always brings this sense of identity and purpose. As so biblically, if you look through it, you find different examples of where God names someone differently, and suddenly it reaffirms or kind of realigns their identity, and then also promises them this deep sense of purpose. And so we haven't got time lots this morning to kind of look at these stories in massive detail, but if we take a few, let's just take three. First one, Abraham. If I know Abraham, Genesis 17, 5 to 6, you can read it as I talk. Here we find that a guy who'd been called Abraham hadn't been able to have any descendants, children of his own. And God breaks in and renames him. And renames him and gives him this totally different identity. An identity that actually promises that he's not only going to have one descendant, but actually he's going to have nations. So he gets this brand new identity. You're only one now, God says, I'll name you as the father of many nations. And then he gives this great sense of purpose, a purpose here that we see pointed to that kings will come, for, uh, kings will come from you. And it also then goes on to say that nations will come to you. And then it, it was the purpose that only would he be named Abraham to be the father of many nations, but also it would be for the benefit of all nations, that all nations would be blessed through him, through him just having his name changed. It was about his identity and purpose. Another one, fast forward to the New Testament, Peter. Peter, who was always flaky, find out in Matthew 16, 17, 19, he's renamed, given this new identity and purpose. Peter, who had these moments with Jesus that are kind of like, one minute he seemed to have it all in the bag. Whether it was, Jesus, I know who you are. You're the Messiah. Or, Jesus, I can see you walking on water. I'm here. I'm on the water. Next moment. Oh, Jesus, you definitely shouldn't die. Jesus, get behind me, Satan. Oh, no, no, I was the one who just said, you're Jesus the Messiah. Now you're calling me, I'm like Satan. Or, I'm on the water. Oh, no, I'm drowning. You've got Peter, who this guy who had moments of clarity, but moments of total despair, was just flaky. And then... Jesus speaks over him and renames him. Names him for what we knew as Peter. Going from Simon, son of Jonah, and says, now, now you're going to be named Peter. And rather than flaky, your identity is going to be rock-like. You're not going to sway from one side to the other. You're just going to know who you are. And he says, and then I'm going to give you this new purpose. A purpose that on you and through you, I'm going to build my church. That in and through you, you're going to have this purpose of extending my kingdom wherever you go, that God renames him, which brings this difference in terms of his identity and purpose. Last one, Jesus. God the Father speaks to Joseph and says, Matthew 1, 21, she will be given 
she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is named in order that his identity and purpose will be seen. He's the chosen anointed one of God who's come to save everyone. See, when God reminds us of our name, it's in order to bring about a sense of our understanding of our identity and purpose. See, with Oasis, actually the name reveals our identity and purpose. An oasis in the natural, if you like, I kind of would say is about four R's. So if you're in a desert and you come across this pool of water, an oasis, suddenly it becomes the lifeline. It becomes a place of refuge, of safety. It becomes a place to rest around. It becomes a place of refreshment. Where you've been dry, you suddenly are able to drink. And it becomes a place of restoration. That suddenly where the desert took away your life, the oasis brings back it. And if you like, this is where our identity and purpose is, that we need to understand that who we are as Oasis is these four R's. That this coming year, as we seek to love God and love people, actually we do it through understanding we're named Oasis. Every single one of us. Part of this Oasis in order that we'd what? Bring refuge, rest, refreshment, restoration. Now we do that not just because it's in the natural, but because it's also what we've experienced in the spiritual. See, actually, any single one of us who centered our lives around Jesus has actually come to know what this oasis is for ourselves. And so through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we've come to understand that he now is our refuge. He's our safe place. He's our go-to. As Paul writes, Philippians 3.8, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I've lost all things, I consider them garbage or rubbish that I may gain Christ. We're a bunch of people who've realized that actually what we have is Jesus, and he's enough. Compared to everything else in our life, actually he's our safe place. Our bank balance, our jobs, our families, that they're, they're good, but they're not it. That Jesus is our anchor point. He's the one that we've built our whole lives around because we've realized in him we have everything. And so we've said he is our refuge. We also found that in God, through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we found rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we've come to understand that he offers us rest. A rest for our unrest. That deep sense of us continuously thinking, are we good enough? Have we done enough? Are we acceptable? And Jesus says, no, no, I now love you unconditionally. Nothing can separate you from my love. You're now accepted forever. Not because of anything you've done, but because of who I am. Therefore, you and I can rest in the deepest possible way of knowing we're more loved and accepted than we could ever dare to believe. That we've known not only refuge and rest, we've also known that deep sense of refreshment. Jesus talking about what he's able to offer. It says this, John seven thirty eight. Whoever believes in me, as scriptures have said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Man, what refreshment is promised? That it isn't that we go somewhere to drink, it's rather that everything we need is within us. 
Jesus says that he comes, and as we center our lives on him, believe in him, he causes God, who is spirit, to come and dwell within us. In order it would be like living waters coming up and out of us. We wouldn't find we have to drink life in, but that life is within us, and what is bursting to come out. That Jesus' desire for us is he wants us to taste and know that we are loved by the Father. The Spirit comes within us in order that we can cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit's within us in order that we taste and see the life that we've got is good. We come to understand that the oasis we've known in Jesus is one of refreshment, a refreshment that we keep drinking from because it's within us. And then lastly, restoration. Colossians 1.20, it says, Through him, Jesus, his plan is to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That Jesus' desire is to restore everything, to restore us, to make us whole, whole within ourselves, that we know that we're okay, whole within our relationship with others, whole within our relationship with God, and whole within the whole of creation. That's Jesus' desire. That's, that's the point of what we've experienced through his life, death, and resurrection. It is an oasis to us. That we get to experience and taste and see that God is good, that he provides refuge, rest, refreshment, and restoration. And therefore, because it's what we've experienced, it doesn't stay there. Because God wants us to live this year understanding what we've tasted and seen is what we're named. And it's who we are together. We are named Oasis. In order that together we can bring this deep sense of what the oasis is that God offers to everyone within this city. In order that everyone can taste and see that he's good. As we get to reveal it, we get to reveal it to each other. That whenever we gather together, we get to say, actually, this is a place. A place of safety, of refuge, of rest, of restoration, of refreshment. That's what we bring when, whenever we gather together. So it's that we get to taste it together. It's also that we get to offer it to others. Others within this city. That to other believers, we get to actually just come along around us. Not to leave where you are, but to stay plugged in in the church you're in because we just are here in order that you be able to continuously taste and see that God's good. To equip and empower you to keep going where you are. But also to cause many who've never tasted and seen to come and taste and see that God's good. To cause the wonder of who God is to be seen in this city and to be taken out of this city. That's part of what we're here. We're, we're an, ace, an oasis for this city and beyond. <coughs> and in it, we're named and therefore we need to live in that name. We need to live in the name, which means that it involves all of us together. That who we are together are those who bring an oasis. That when we gather together, it's that we are being an oasis to anyone who comes in. That as we gather and do things outside, whether it is the bridge or Monday night football or impact or street outreach, that what we're doing is we're saying, actually, we want to take what we know of this oasis we have in God and take it into this place. So we do it together. We also do it individually because God has uniquely placed us in different communities and settings in this city. 
Some of us were students. Some of us were in school. Some of us are parents. Some of us are kind of out of work, seeking work. Some of us are in work. Some of us are in recovery. Whatever it is for us, God has uniquely placed us in that place in order that we can live named as oasis, as those who in that unique place are bringers of rest, of refreshment, of refuge, of restoration. That we live named wherever we go, as bringers of this, that others can taste and see that it's good. It involves all of us. It isn't like a core few saying, oh, they're the kind of like holy huddle. They're the, they're the kind of ones who seem to be really passionate about this. We'll just watch on. No, no. It involves every single one of us that God has called us in order that together we'd have this shared story of how we bring Oasis into this city. Because I tell you what, though this is an amazing city, it can often feel like a desert where people are desperate for an oasis. And the amazing, unique privilege each and every one of us has is both we get to bring it collectively together, but we also get to do, bring it wherever we've uniquely been placed. And so therefore, this year, what I want us to do is live understanding we're named. And as we live understanding we're named, I want us to live with some name labels. I know because I've got kids, I never do this, to be honest. This is a shock confession. I've never done this. But we do label or rather, when I say we, I mean Lucy labels all of our kids' stuff. And it's a painful process sometimes of labeling it. In order that we don't lose it, in order that people understand that this is ours, this is our kids, so that's their jumper, trousers, shorts. One of them we have to label like socks, everything. And you label it because actually we say, no, this, is, this is ours, this is what we're about. And if you like, there's four key name labels I want to live together with this coming year. As we live in... Loving God, loving people by remembering we're named Oasis. The first one is this, small groups. I want us to own small groups and see this year that everyone who wants to be in one gets in one. Therefore, if you don't want to be in a small group, we're never going to force you to be in it. But for those of us who want to be in a small group, we want to enable that to be possible. And how we're going to do that is we're going to rejig small groups in three different ways. We're going to keep our weekly or bi-weekly small groups that meet on that rhythm of gathering together in someone's home weekly or bi-weekly. So we're going to do that. We're going to keep multiplying those so more people can join those. It's a great place of being known and knowing others. We're then also going to start a second type of small group. And that is that maybe you're already involved in an area of Oasis life. And you think, man, I'm already giving out there, but how on earth can I also do small groups? What we want to do is try and tally the two together and say, why don't we have focused small groups? So maybe you're involved in street outreach. And rather than thinking, how do I do street outreach and small group, that actually you see your street outreach is also a moment where you can hook up with some other people and do small group, be a place where you can be known and know others. Or maybe it's impact. Maybe it's Monday night football. I don't know what it is for you, but we want to try and facilitate a way of saying, let's connect the dots here so we can have focused small groups. And then lastly, what we want to do is offer centered playlist small groups. Now, for those of you who've forgotten, remember we did this last term, centered playlist of looking at the discipleship plan of how can we ensure that we keep loving God and loving people by loving God, loving the world, and loving home. What we want to encourage people to do is maybe you don't want to do bi-weekly or weekly small groups. Maybe focused small groups aren't for you, but maybe this is. That once a month, once every six weeks, you hook up with a group of people 
the same group of people. It might be six, eight people. And that together, just, that together you just work through the center playlist and say, how are we doing then on a scale of one to five in loving God, loving the world, and loving home? And what do we need to do differently? Now, we're not small groups we're going to be doing that, but what we're saying is for some of us, we think actually just with the life as it is, to say I'm going to get somewhere every week, every other week is unrealistic. To say I could meet up with six to eight people once a month, that's probably quite realistic. I could do that. But what we're saying is, let's ensure that what we know is an oasis, we keep building on. And the key part is building smaller sometimes, so small groups. Second label, Oasis bringing events. This year, we want to cause who we are and what we know as Oasis to break out from who we are and what we know. And so this year, we want to do two events, particularly. We want to do one where we go out of the walls of Oasis, out of the walls of us gathering together here on a Sunday morning, and do an event where we go into a community and we bring what an Oasis is all about. We bring a place of refuge, refreshment, restoration, and rest. How are we going to do that? We don't know yet, but we're going to do it this year. We're going to do an event together where we seek to do that. And different ones of you are going to come up with ideas of how we do it and what we do. The other thing we want to do is make a bit more noise around Easter. See, at Christmas, we make a lot of noise. We kind of, or, yeah, so we do our carol services. At Easter, we kind of see who's around. What we're saying is, what about using Easter Day as a moment to bring loads of our friends and family in who otherwise wouldn't ever consider who Jesus is? Say, on Easter Day, let's make this an oasis-bringing moment. So we're going to do that on Easter Day. Next one, 300 stories. Here's the deal. If we are each uniquely placed to bring an oasis, and what oasis is about, being named as oasis, in the unique places that we are, we're all going to have stories to tell. We're all going to have stories to tell about how we've experienced Oasis in here. We're also going to have stories to tell of how we've taken Oasis out to other people. And this coming year, what we want to do is up the ante a little bit. We have kind of like hearing stories. Like when you see the video, you think, actually, that's quite fun to hear what's going on in different people's lives. And yet we sometimes are reticent to tell our stories because we think, man, does my story really matter? Is anyone going to be encouraged by it? Are they going to think I'm kind of being big-headed telling it? And what we want to do is say, actually, we want to celebrate the stories we have to show and tell through the fact that we're named Oasis, through us experiencing Oasis, through us revealing Oasis. And so this coming year, we're going to share 300 stories. At that point, you think, how do you know we're going to share 300 stories? Because it's on there. It says 300 stories. Therefore, if every single one of us tells a story, and there's many who aren't here this morning, I reckon we can tell 300 stories. At that point, you're thinking, even me? Yes, even you. I think we've got some amazing stories that need to be shared so we can be encouraged about what we're already doing, as well as what God is going to do this coming year. How are we going to tell them? We're going to tell them through Sunday mornings. We're going to tell them through Oasis Life, our blog posts. We're going to tell them through tweets. We're going to tell them through videos. We're going to tell them in every shape and form, and we're going to record them. So at the end of the year, we're not going to have a video that runs for hours showing 300 stories, but we can say, hey, here's a book of our 300 stories of this year as we've sought to live in the name that God has given us of Oasis. And then lastly, making home. Here's the deal. As we live being and revealing Oasis. 
I want us to keep making home, making home through building it together here, of building a place where everyone who comes in, whatever their life looks like, can cause them to know refuge, safety, refreshment, rest, and restoration. Surely that's a desire, isn't it? And I tell you what, I don't think yet we've touched the places that really need it. And I think there's some places we need to go to cause people to taste where they've never thought they could taste such good stuff. And so together, we want to keep building home. But also we want to keep journeying on the want for a building for our home. See, it's great being here at the cricket ground. But when we moved here in 2007, God said this was our base camp. It wasn't somewhere we were to settle, it was somewhere we were to move out from. And we're getting the point as we go along the journey of understanding actually at some point we're going to need somewhere that we can call home as a physical structure. It doesn't define us, we're going to define it. But it allows a point for us to move out from in growing and increasing clarity and impact. And for us, we're saying we're not ever going to be around about a building, but we need a building to continue to facilitate who we are. And so we want us to just keep that on our track as well. What that means this coming year is that we'll have a team of people who are kind of focused on saying, how can we build, kind of work towards a building that helps facilitate who we are? And that for us, most of us, it will mean that we're just praying, saying, God, would you give us what we need? Not that we become loving building, loving building, but rather that we become loving God, loving people, and let's have a building that helps us do that. So this year is about being named. It's about continuously coming back and saying, actually, we were named Oasis for a reason. Let's live in the good of it. Let's be those who bring it wherever we've uniquely been placed. And let's be those, therefore, that continually taste and see how good the Oasis that God has given us through Jesus is. Because it's only through us tasting him as our oasis that we're ever able to offer anything that's of any worth to anyone else. So do you mind just standing, just to finish off with? I just want to pray for us. Jesus, I just pray wherever any of us are at, I just pray, would you come and would you meet with us? And God, I want to pray for those of us who consider Oasis home, who say, yeah, I'm, I'm in on this. I pray, would you cause us to live increasingly with the understanding that our identity and our purpose is found in the fact that you've named us Oasis. And this coming year, you want to use us uniquely to bring and to enjoy what that truly means. And God, I want to pray for those who are not yet part of Oasis or just looking. I pray, God, would you bless them? I pray, God, for those who are looking in, thinking, man, could this be part of my journey? I pray, God, would you cause them to understand they're very welcome on. I pray for others who are just looking and saying, actually, I know where somewhere else is my home. I pray, would you bless them? I pray for others who are trying to look and see who you are, God. I pray, would you cause them to taste and see that you are good? God, we just say that our deepest desire in everything we do is that you would be lifted high in this city and you would be known in this city.